0: Uh, last Saturday evening, uh, he called, and uh, well, he didn't actually call. He texted me and said, uh, yeah, "I guess he was afraid of what I would say if he called me." He said, uh, "We got uh, a couple of issues going on." He said, uh, "Pastor T has a kidney stone and uh, has intermittent uh, fits of pain, and he didn't want to take a chance of having one of those episodes while he was preaching." So uh, he said, "We need to change the schedule around a little bit. Would you be willing to preach uh, next Sunday morning?" Well, my heart skipped a few beats. And in fact, it's still uh, racing quite a bit. But uh, I told him, "Yes, with God's help, we'll will uh, stand in the in the gap for you." And so, uh, thank the Lord for the opportunity He's given us to uh, to stand here this morning. Uh, please open your Bibles uh, to Philippians chapter one. While you're turning there, let me say, by way of introduction, that this uh, this church has been a great, great blessing. Uh, to me and to my family. Even before uh, we became members of, of Heritage Baptist Church. Just to share a little bit uh, by way of background, um, we moved up here from North Carolina uh, to, new, to Northern Virginia, and there's no co- connection between North Carolina and Northern Virginia. Quite a, quite a culture shock. I didn't know that Northern Virginia meant anything more than just that it was in the northern part of Virginia. But we got here and found out what northern Virginia was all about. And you talk about a culture shock. It was a culture shock for sure. Uh, found out you have to plan when you're going to go somewhere. Uh, you know, and, and rush hour is, has nothing to do with an hour. It's more like three or four days. Uh, but uh, anyway, we, we found out uh, the reason we came up here, a small church over on the other side of town that had been started in 1993. And uh, they didn't have a pastor. They uh, found out about us. We were down in North Carolina and they found out that we were looking for a church and they called us and we came up and began to preach that summer of 1995 and they finally extended a call to us, asked us if we would come. They said they had tried many other people and (laughs) nobody wanted to come to Northern Virginia and it was too late by that time. I was already in the middle of it and I said, well, we'll trust the Lord. Uh, God led us here. And we accepted the call. And so we began to minister over there and we ministered there for about 15 years. But this church was a blessing to us while we were there over at Salem. I remember the first time we visited here. Um, we were. Uh, well, I, I found a gospel track. That's what it was. We were we didn't have a house yet. We were still up here traveling on the weekends and we would stay in folks houses in the weekends while we were while we were. Um, Getting prepared to buy a house, and boy, it was hard to find a house back in 1995. I'm sure, I Wish Les had been around then. Well, he could have helped us with that. But we searched and searched and searched and searched and searched. And I think finally, in November, we found a house. But anyway, we were staying with some folks and uh, found a gospel track on the door. It was said, uh, God's Simple Plan of Salvation. And I said, Oh, I recognize that track. And I looked a little deeper on it and I said, Oh, uh, Heritage Baptist Church. Mike Edwards, pastor. I said, hmm, there must be another fundamental Baptist church in town. So I, I thought I'm going to have to check, check that guy out sometime meet him and get some fellowship or something. But anyway, we, it was while. We were kind of busy traveling back and forth. And, but anyway, it was, it was a little bit after that. But we found out that one of my favorite preachers, Dr. Ron Comfort, was preaching a revival meeting. And I said, I've got to go hear him. I want to hear him again. So we came over, and that was the first visit we had, the meeting over in the gym at that time, remember the old gym, uh, and you all remember that well, I'm sure many of you, setting up and taking down, and setting up and taking down, and all of that, that work that went into that. But anyway, we were there for that meeting, and I remember being blessed, and Pastor, pastor had a chance to meet him real quickly before the service, and then he called me up to pray at the end of the service, and I was like, wow, you know, you're praying before Ron Comfort, <laughs> you know, a little nervous there, but... And, uh, Anyway, after the service, Pastor chatted with me a little bit and he said, uh, he said hey, what are you doing? And I shared a little bit more with him. He said, we want to be a help to you. He said, we'd like to, you know, I want to encourage you. He said, anything we can do for you, please, please let us know. Well, we had some opportunities for you all's help and you all helped us in many ways. But uh, again, we were a small church. We didn't have a lot of programs. We didn't have a lot of, of people. But we, uh, you know, we had some things, but you know, we liked the big events, too, and participating in those. And so our kids came and participated in the VBSs over here and the War of Special Forces. Uh, our kids enjoyed that. It was great. Um, we would get letters from Pastor Edwards, and he invited us to Wild Game Supper. I remember getting that first letter from him. I thought, Wild Game Supper? What in the world? And I came. I was like... Boy, I'm getting in on this. this and every, every year that I could after that, I would come over, bring some of my men too along. And I remember the second year that I came, I went home with a muzzle loader. Yeah, that was great. It didn't even have to draw my ticket. I don't know, if, uh, Brother Tansman, you remember that one year they said, All the pastors who are here, we would like to give you a muzzle loader. So I didn't have to wait for my ticket to be drawn out of the bucket, I got it free and clear. And uh, what a blessing. But anyway, uh, other things as well, but one of the things that stands out in my mind the most about how this church helped us is we uh, would have a, an evangelist. Uh, Dr. Chuck Kempf would come every couple of years, and uh, he actually inherited his trailer or bought it. I guess he bought it from Dr. Ron Comfort. But anyway, we would park him over there at uh, Prince William Forest Park, and uh, that's where he would stay. And uh, a couple years later, he upgraded and got a bigger trailer. Well, there was a problem because at Prince William Forest Park Trailer Park over there, they said, this is too big. You can't park here. And so we were like, what are we going to do? Closest one was down route uh, down 95 for who knows how many miles it would take or how many hours to get here on a, and try to get him to church on time. And our neighbor at the time was attending here, and I was just chatting with him, inviting him to the services, and he said, he said you know, I, I, I think maybe we could help you over at Heritage Baptist Church. He said, give Pastor T a call. I said, who's Pastor T? He told me, Pastor Tangeman. I said, okay, I got his number, I called him. He said, sure, come on over. And he, over. we met, he showed me where they would be setting up. And then when our evangelist arrived, he helped us get set up. And, and uh, all that was just such a blessing, close in, and it was just such a help. Anyway, at the end of the meetings, we sent a check with a thank you note to the church and thanking uh, y- y'all for, allowing us to park our evangelists and uh, to help pay for the expenses, the water and the electricity. It came back to us. That check came back with, a, with an encouraging letter from Pastor Edwards. He said, we just want to be a help to you. Now, that happened a number of times, several times, if I recall. And I think the next year, the treasurer said, you, you know, you think we should send another check? I said, yeah, let will send another check. He sent another check. It came back. Sent another check, three, it came back. Same thing every time. And so... Long story short, when the church, we, we had to close the church. It was a, we were renting and the rent kept going up and up and up and up. We were at the end of our lease. We had to make a decision. And we decided, with God's direction, it was time to close Salem Baptist Church. And it was really no question in my mind where we would go. And so we, we came here and we were welcomed. And it's been a blessing. That was the 2011 when we joined Heritage Baptist Church. And it has been a rich blessing uh, to be here, to see how the Lord has worked and the Lord has blessed. This is a great church, and I I count it a great, great privilege uh, to stand here in this pulpit this morning. In fact, every time that we have the opportunity to open the Word of God, I think it's a great privilege. Whether we're talking to somebody about the Lord and sharing the plan of salvation, whether we're leading a discipleship study one-on-one, whether we're teaching a Sunday school class, whether we are standing in a pulpit and preaching, it's an awesome thought. This is the Word of God, and we are entrusted to proclaim that truth. And I thank you for your prayers this morning as we attempt to open God's Word and share what the Lord has laid on our hearts today. Philippians chapter 1, if we were to give a title to this message, I would call it Three Signs of a Healthy Church. Three Signs of a Healthy Church. Philippians chapter 1, I want to begin reading in verse number 27, where the apostle writes, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, And now here to be in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the blessing of this church that I believe is a church that is patterned after this model here in Philippians. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage our hearts today and strengthen us to be and to continue to be the church that you would have us to be. Guide our thoughts, Lord, we pray now. And bless, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Philippians is one of my uh, favorite books in the Bible. Some of you Bereans are probably saying, I thought Thessalonians was your favorite book. (laughs) We spent so much time in there. Well, just about every book, whenever I get to study it, becomes one of my favorites. But I think uh, the Philippian church was one of Paul's favorite churches, too. Now, not that Paul played any favorites, but it's very clear that they were close to him. They were dear to him. Look at some of the verses. Remember, Pastor, this is kind of a a follow-up, if you will, kind of a pastor's message last week in Philippians chapter 1. He said he got nervous when I was teaching from uh, Acts 16. and I got nervous when he started talking about Philippians chapter 1 because I was already thinking this way. But uh, look at how he puts it. Verse three says, This is what Pastor pointed out last week. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Can you can you consider that? Paul said, every time I think about you, I give I give thanks. I give thanks. Every time I'm brought you're, you're brought to my remembrance. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. They were dear to him. He was thankful for them. Look at verse 7. He says, for it is. Me to th- for me to think this of you all because I, I have you in my heart. They were, they were dear to him. Interesting statement is made down in, in uh, the next verse. He says, for God is my record. How greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now, when I first read that, I thought, that's an interesting way of putting it. Bowels of Jesus Christ. You know, we usually think of, of that as being something we don't really want to talk about. You know. But it's interesting and you find it a couple more times in Philippians and in other places. Whenever a deep-seated emotion of affection is spoken of, they use this word, bowels. You know. And we, we abbreviate it, you know, BM or whatever. You know, we don't want to say the word. But in the Greek world and, and in, particularly in this day and age, that was a very special thing. Now, if you were a courting a girl at that time, you know, we use the word heart all the time, you know, sweetheart, you know, but they would they would say, you know, it would refer to I love you with all my vowels, you know, and that maybe that, that kind of turns our stomach a little bit, but it didn't them. I mean, that was special. I mean, you boy, that, you can't get any deeper than that. That's great. That's true love right there, you know. Uh, by the way, one of the other blessings of being here at the church I didn't get to finish sharing some of the side uh, the side blessings we've had our daughter got to meet her sweet love here Uh, well Drew found her and and, uh, they got married and the rest is is history we're we're thankful for that and uh, so what a blessing but that love here that Paul had for them he loved them he was close to them but what I want to call your attention to this morning is because this church was so dear to him. He wanted God's best for them. He wanted them to be the church that God wanted them to be. He had had a part in establishing this church. And he had a great concern for them. And I think we see in this passage that we just read, a description of what a church ought to be. And what Paul is saying here, in effect, is, he he says, whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. He says, if I come, he wanted to come see them again. He says, when I come, this is what I want to see. But if I don't come, this is what I want to hear about you. And he describes those things. And we see three things here in this passage that describe what a healthy church should be. And they all begin with the letter S. And, and I, love, I love alliteration. Uh, Pastor Amswald was a master of alliteration. Remember? But Sometimes I, I've, I've liked the alliteration and sometimes I had to stretch it a little bit, you know, or go to the thesaurus and try to find a good word. But it's right here. I mean, it's right here. These three S's. We see three things. Standing, striving, and suffering. Three signs of a healthy church. Three characteristics or qualities that God wanted to see in them and that I believe God wants to see in every church every healthy church, past and present. First of all, standing. He says, I want to hear that you are standing fast in one spirit. Standing. You know, there are a lot of positions that are described in the Word of God as far as our relationship with Him is concerned. Some are literal and some are metaphorical, but you think of you know what, the, the, uh, this quartet beautifully sang here just a moment ago bowing before the Lord in joy. That's a literal. We bow before the Lord humbly. We often speak of those who actually fall on their face before God. He's a holy God, and we ought to acknowledge him as such and worship him, humbling ourselves before him. Songs like that help us in that regard. But then we also see other words that talk about us sitting. Figuratively, we sit at the feet of Jesus and hear His word. We are, we've been raised up, we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, and made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're sitting. I love you. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 where we're told, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen to these. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. See, as soaring. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. All these different positions are spoken of in one way or the other. Most of them are, are figurative. This idea of standing is, is somewhat figurative. Though we do have to stand from time to time literally. But one little girl took this literally and her, they were in a church service and her daddy looked over at the little girl and here she was standing on her Bible. He looked over at her and he says, what are you doing? That's not good respect for the word of God. He said, yeah. He, she said, Daddy, we were just singing standing on the promises. So I thought we need, I need to stand on the promises. I said, he said uh, he had to explain some things to her later. <laughs> but anyway, th- this idea of, of standing is a very important one and one that we find many, many times in the scripture. Now this particular word here in Philippians 1 in verse 27 where he says that you stand fast. This is not the normal word for stand. This is actually a stronger word. It's the Greek word "steco." It's only used eight times in the New Testament. "Steco." Does that does that sound like anything to you? What's it sound like? Stucco. stucco. Yeah. You ever? How many of you have stucco houses? Stucco on the side of your house. Now our Our house was built in uh, what 19? Uh, what was it, Linda? eighty four okay stucco started unsticking, started falling off, you know got ugly we had to, we had to get some more stuff and stick it on there and pray that it stuck uh, but th- this is a strong word stucco, and we kind of get you kind of hear stick in there, and it has to do with not just standing but standing strong, standing firm uh, and it's it's a blessing part of We were just singing here a while ago, and you all, as a great choir, joined us together. We have something to stand upon. We have someone to stand upon. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Amen. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground, sinking sand. You have a place to stand. We have the word of God upon which we stand. We have a Savior who died and paid for the sins of the world, and we trust in His finished work on Calvary. And we stand in his righteousness. You know, we have no righteousness of our own. You're going to stand before the Lord one day, and, and it's not going to be how good were you or how much did you do. It's going to be what did you do with Jesus Christ? Amen. And that's the important thing. And I'm thankful that this church takes a very strong stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And, and, you, and uh, speaking of this fact of standing in Christ, 1 Corinthians 1, what's he say? Excuse me, I got the wrong chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye what? Ye stand. By which also you're saved if you keep in memory which I preach unto you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ the son of God came to pay for the sins of the world. He died for our sins. He rose again the third day. He lives, as we sang earlier. We have a living Savior. You have a Savior that you can put your faith in, and you can stand upon. And the part, respo- the, re- the main responsibility of this church, is to stand for Jesus Christ and to proclaim that great message of salvation. And I'm thankful this church has has done that. This, by the way, this is not in any way a corrective message or. Uh, this is something that I have observed about this church that I am so thankful for. It is something that I pray will continue to be the case. That we will stand for Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we have to stand alone. Often you're, you're called upon to stand alone, perhaps on the job or maybe in your, in your, in your family. Sometimes you might be the only one who, who lives and knows Jesus Christ. But isn't it a blessing to come together? With God's people here in this place and be encouraged to stand for Jesus Christ. You know? That's a great encouragement. You know, standing alone sometimes gets discouraging. But when we have a group of folks who come together like this to be encouraged to stand for Jesus. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. We're encouraged. Pray that God will continue to give us a thankful pastor who has been, God has brought here to us, who takes a stand and who's not ashamed of it and leads us to stand for Christ. We have something to stand for and we need to stand firm. You know, churches are falling. Churches are slipping. Churches are compromising. Becoming houses of entertainment. Worldliness has crept in. But I'm thankful that this is a church that has stood and I pray will continue to stand for Jesus Christ. There's the first thing standing. And then, secondly, second sign of a healthy church, not only do you stand fast in one spirit, but that with one mind you strive together for the faith of the gospel. We stand firmly, but we also strive together. This is an interesting word also. Because when you think about striving, some things are bad about striving. (laughs) When you strive with some other people or you have strife between you. We'll talk about that just a little bit later. But this is a word that comes from the word where we get athlete. Athletics. Now, I have to tell you, and you can tell by looking at this physique, that uh, I am not an athlete. <laughs> we got some athletes here though. I've met some, Brother Skinner. Uh, Listen to him tell you sometime about his training in that pole vaulting. Amazing, amazing. I see some cars around here. Once in a while one runs by with a, with a 13.1 on it or a 26.2. You know what that means? That means they run it. They run if I was to put a sticker on my car, I'd have to put a 0.0. Sorry. <laughs> you know, even though my name is Renner and it means runner, I don't do a whole lot of running, <laughs> you know. Maybe I know I need to, so, but that's, that's another subject. But I, uh, I remember one time, though, when I was in high school, and I worked at a dairy farm uh, when I was 15 years old, and uh, helped at the chores there, you know, milking cows and shoveling, Manure and bale and hay and all of those things. When it got time to go back to school, I worked that summer. My fifteen year—I was fifteen years old that summer—and and then in the uh, in the fall went back to school. And the farmer told me, he says, "You know, I can really use you after school. Uh, if you could come on over and help out," he says. "But I understand," he says, "if you need to run out or go out for sports, you know, you're welcome to do that." He said, "But I could use you." Well, I, I just I always wanted to play basketball. I was uncoordinated, very, still am. But uh, I thought, I would like to learn how to play basketball. So I went out for basketball. And that first, uh, that first time we went, I thought, hey, let's get out there and play basketball. You know, I want to shoot the ball, I want to learn how to dribble. and dog. You know what they did? They made a stand on the line and sprint to the other side of the gym. And then right back, and then back, and then back, and then back. And they just kept on doing that. I was like... Man, is this basketball? I'm not sure. I think I hear the cows calling. (laughs) (laughs) So I made it through that lesson. I I made it through that, and I said uh, I said, uh, Brother Bill, he was he was the farmer, Bill Price. He said, uh, He said, Yeah, I really could use you. I said, You know, I think I'm not going to go out for basketball. I think I'm going to. I probably would have got cut from the team anyway. But he said, Yeah, it's harvest time. We're going to cut silage. He said, I could really use you. So. That's what I did. I didn't go out for any more sports. I I helped with the cows and with the corn and all that good stuff. But learned some good lessons there, too. But anyway, here's the word. And it has to do with striving, struggling, working, diligence. It's, It's kind of a, that goes against my grain, you know. Uh, exercise machines, you know. You think, hey, just jump on there. But yeah, it's hard work, Yeah, you know? i I like the easy way, you know. Uh, no pain, no pain, <laughs> right? That's what Pastor Ansbaugh <laughs> used to say. No pain, no pain, you know. Uh, maybe not get a whole lot of gain, maybe wrong kind of gain, you know. But anyway, we're told to stand and, and we're told to strive, you know. The Christian life, we are not called to a life of ease. We're not called to just kind of lay back and relax and just kind of float on into heaven. Now there's a day of rest coming. Praise God for that. But that's not today. Today we are called to strive. We are working. We are laboring. We are, as Paul writes often, wrestling. We're pressing. And again... I don't I don't like to identify with those in the physical term, but in the spiritual realm, it's so very important. And it's a part of our ministry here at, at Heritage Baptist Church that we strive together, we work together. And it's amazing to see. I have watched, you know, coming from a smaller church and other churches that I've been in, and you see, you know, most of the work being done by just a handful of people, and everybody else kind of sits back and watches. You know, uh, I remember when I... First church I had uh, pastored up in uh, West Virginia, not far from where our, uh, our former youth director, I can't think of his name right off now, what is. it is, uh, in, in Hinton, West Virginia, a little church, and right out of seminary, and went there, preached the word there, and, and uh, small congregation, but I remember one fellow, the guy we rented, we rented a little trailer up there from him and invited him to church. He finally came one Sunday. He said uh, he sat down. He said, "You know what?" He says, "I, I think I'll I'd like to come here." He said, "But I'm a sitter." I said, "Excuse me." He said, "I'm a sitter." Oh, he said, "A pew sitter." I said, "Oh, oh, I get it." He says, "I'm I plan to come, but don't expect anything out of me." He Said, "I just want to come and sit." Evidently, he had been burned. In a previous ministry about some sort where he had just given himself all out and something happened and he just really got discouraged. But he said, I'm a sitter. Well, he sat and I was thankful, you know, coming right out of school. I was like, I was thankful anybody want to come hear me preach. <laughs> you know, I was like amazed anybody even shows up. But here we are. And he came. But finally, you know, he ended up doing more than sitting. He was actually a carpenter. He helped us remodel a house we bought. We, believe it or not, the economy was so bad back then. We bought a house in West Virginia, in West Virginia, for $15,800. Three years later, after putting about $5,000 into it, we sold the house for $15,800. <laughs> it was that bad. We tried, to, we tried to at least break even, but we didn't quite do it. It was bad times. But anyway, striving and to watch this church. I tell you, big things happen here. You know, The Wild Game Supper, mine, there's a lot of work in that. You all work together to do that kind of thing. Um, We look at uh, all the blessings of life. There's my alarm going off telling me it's time to get ready to quit. I'm only through my second point. (laughs) But thinking about how the work of God gets done here and to watch you folks work together to do what God has called you to do here. Bus ministry, VBS, missions conference, all of those things. What a blessing to see. And, I, and, and the encouragement is that when many hands work together, the work is much lighter. Have you noticed that? You know, Just like a well-oiled machine here, seeing these things happen. All of these ministries that are done by people getting involved. I'm thankful for that. But you know, we got to be careful. Because there's another kind of a strife that can interrupt that. And Paul talks about that over in chapter 2. Look at it there with me real quick. It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, there's that word again. He says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind that each esteem other better than themselves. Nothing be done through strife. You know, that interrupts. That's what gets in the way of people working together for the cause of Jesus Christ. What a blessing to come together here and to see the people of God working together. You know, Satan would like nothing more than to put a wedge or to cause a rift, or to cause a division, or for somebody to get kind of upset with somebody else, or to think, you know, I don't want to do it that way, I want to do it this way. And it's just so easy for things to happen where the church can no longer work together because there's a division there. Paul was concerned about that. Yeah, this was one of his favorite churches. This was a church that he loved, but he was careful to warn them about things. And even had to call them on a couple of things. Look over at chapter 4. Look, verse 2, he says, I beseech Euodius and I beseech Sintuki that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Can you imagine being one of these two or both these ladies and this letter being delivered from Paul and seeing your name right there? Euodius and Syntyche. I think it's J. Vern McGee calls them Euodorous and (laughs) Syntyche. They had some issues. We don't know what those issues were. But Paul said there's a, co- there's a problem. Maybe when we get the glory, I don't know, would you think, think we'll find Euodius and Syntyche and say, hey, what was it you all were arguing about? Did you get it straightened out? But these things can come in the way and we need to be very, very careful that we work together. It looks like I don't, I'm not the only one who has an alarm today. <laughs> God is good. God is good. And allows us to work together for Him. Finally, and again, if you're in the Berean class, you can tune out right now because we've been talking about this for probably over a year. We've been talking about the joy of the Lord and how there's joy in salvation, joy in serving, joy in giving, joy in and, uh, living for Jesus Christ, joy in suffering. We've been talking about here for quite a while, looking at Paul and watching him, and seeing how he suffered for the Lord wherever he went. But here we see that Paul says something which we might at first be a little taken back. He says, this is what I want to hear about you, that you're, and nothing terrified by your adversaries. It says, which is to them, that is those who are adversaring you, who are opposing you, it's an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. One thing that really helps you, encur- encourages your heart, and if you ever go through suffering and you're doing it because you're standing for Jesus Christ, it's an encouragement that that's just sort of a, almost like a a stamp of approval from the Lord. You're my child, and you're willing to stand for me. And not ashamed of that. You know, we we find that you know we, we don't want that. We we want it easy. We we you know we hear about other people suffering, people who've suffered through the years. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs ever, see how people suffered. All the way from our, the martyr Stephen, Old Testament saints who died because they took a stand for Jesus Christ. And yet we think we're exempt from that. Oh, that's for everybody else. It's not for me. Hey, we may be facing that in the days to come. We're already starting to see some of that. Preachers are being told they can't preach about this or say anything about that or lose their tax exemption. All kinds of things like that could come to us. But would we be willing to stand for Jesus Christ? Paul's writing to these believers and he's saying, be careful. He said, don't be terrified. Don't, Don't let this scare you. Understand something. Suffering is something that is actually and it's very clear here. It's a gift. He says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake it's a gift it's actually a, a gift and that's a little hard to think of but it's a gift from God remember the words of Jesus there in the in the in his sermon on the mount he said blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are ye, he said, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And then he said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You're in good company when you take your stand with Jesus Christ and you live for him and it costs you something. You know, and I, I'm embarrassed to say I, I have never taken a beating for Jesus. I've never been hurt. I've had a few doors slammed in my face. I've had some people laugh at me. You know, and that and that hurts. You know, you want to be accepted. You want to be loved. But I've never really suffered for Jesus. But I have to ask the question: Would I be willing to suffer for Him if I were called upon? I mean, there are people all over the world today who are dying, giving their lives up. Renounce Christ or die. They choose to follow Jesus and stand for Him. What a, what a testimony they have. Paul said, you, see, you saw my life. He said, having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. This is by where pastor was preaching last Sunday. They saw the conflict he had at Philippi. How he was put in prison. How he was beaten. They saw it. And now they hear that he's again in prison. And they are experiencing the same type of suffering, although not exactly the same. They were experiencing it; they were going through it, and he's encouraging them about that. And so I believe a church that's real and a church that is healthy is going to, in one way or another, as Paul said, "Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." We don't know what's ahead, and I'm not saying we should, you know, try to get it or do what. No, let's be faithful serving the Lord. But if persecution comes, let it come. Rejoice in it and let the Lord use us as testimony for him, which shines brightly when it's in the time of suffering. There's a song which asks a, a question that says, I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed. That thou mightst ransom be and quicken from the dead. I gave. I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? You know, what have we done for Jesus Christ? It says, my Father's house of light, my glory circled throne. I left for earthly night, for wanderings sad and lone. I left it. I left it all for thee. Hast thou left aught for me? I suffered much for thee, more than thy tongue can tell. Of bitterest agony to rescue thee from hell. I've borne it. I've borne it all for thee. What hast thou borne for me? And I've brought to thee down from my home above. Salvation full and free. My pardon and my love. I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? Somewhere over here, yonder, I don't know if you all remember when they had that, the, uh, take your magic marker and write on the beams of the new building. How many of you were here when that was done? Yeah. We had just come not long before that. And I had, this passage was a dear one to my heart and has been. And I remember writing on that beam over there in magic marker. And it's there covered up now. You couldn't see it, of course. But it, it says, and I wrote down this verse, Philippians one twenty seven. And on that, on that beam I wrote, may Heritage Baptist Church continue to stand and strive together for the faith of the gospel. And I thought at that moment, I was like, this will never happen. I said, if I ever get a chance to preach at Heritage Baptist Church, I'd like to preach on this passage. And God has given the okay for that today. So I trust that we'll do these things and be willing to do these things. Stand for Christ. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. And yes, be willing, if need be, to suffer for him. Let's bow our Heads, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Perhaps there might be someone here today in this service. You don't have a place to stand. You don't have a firm foundation in your life of Jesus Christ. He's the only way. You can't say, or maybe you could sing of it, but you can't say it from your heart. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior from sin? If you haven't, let me encourage you don't leave here today without making sure of that in your own life. Because if you go out into eternity without Christ, you will have no standing. Before God. Only in His righteousness are we able to stand at the judgment. Thankful for that. But you can find Him today. And perhaps there's a believer here. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I don't know why I'm here at this church, or I don't know, you know, I'm a sitter. But you know, you can be a server. We had that ministry fair. There's a lot going on here at this church that you can be involved in. Maybe you'd just like to say today, I want to be involved. I want God to use me to strive to serve together with the people of God here at Heritage Baptist Church. And then maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm I'm ashamed of Jesus many times and I have the opportunity to witness and I'm afraid someone might make a face at me or turn me away or say something ugly. But I want God to help me to be, stand strong for him and not be ashamed to, to even suffer a rebuke or, or whatever it might be. Maybe the Lord's spoken to you about these things, but well, let God have his way just there where you're sitting. Allow God to work in your heart. We'll have an uh, invitation here in a moment. I encourage you, if you're here without Jesus, come forward. Someone will take the scripture and show you how you can know That you're on the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together in your word. Thank you for this great example of of a godly church, of a healthy church. And Lord, we want to be that too here at Heritage. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged to stand strong, true to you. That we'd be encouraged to work together, to strive together for the cause of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And that we might, yes, even be willing, if you call us to, to suffer for your name. So have your will and way, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You Stand to your feet, please. The instruments are going to play here for just a moment. Perhaps you have a, a need in your life. You need God to meet that. Rededicate yourself. Perhaps you want to have, ask God to lead you here to be a member of Heritage Baptist Church. Let God work and do what he wants to do in your life.